Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Todd McInerney, and this is a very, very special episode of the How to Be Unpopular podcast. This is episode number 71, and we have on the show quite arguably, arguably the best rollerblader in the world. This man, I'm going to list some of his achievements in rollerblading. 2002, he got first place in Atlanta IMYTA. 2002, he got first in, at the Detroit IMYTA. 2003, first place in the Puerto Rico IMYTA Final Four. 2003, second place in the Hoedown. 2004, first place at Barnburner. 2004, first place at the LG World Championships. 2004, first at the Hoedown. 2005, second at the LG World Tour in Munich. 2005, first place at the LG World Tour in Paris. 2005, first place at the LG World Championships. 2005, first place at Barnburner. 2005, second place at Hoedown. 2006, first at Barnburner, 2006, first at the SDSF Open, 2006, first at the Australian Championships, 2006, second at the Asian X Games, 2006, first place at the Asian X Games Best Trick, 2007, second at Barnburner, 2007, first at the LG World Championships, 2007, first at Hoedown, 2007, second at the Asian X Games, 2007, first at the AIL Worlds, 2007, second at Bitter Cold, 2007, first at SDSS SDSSF Open, SDSF Open, 2008, third at Bitter Cold, 2008, first at SDSF Open, 2009, gold at the X Games in Shanghai, 2010, first at Bitter Cold, 2011, gold medal at the X Games in Shanghai. This guy has appeared in some of my personal favorite videos. He had an awesome section in Drip Drop. He appeared in Leading the Blind. Um, some of the some of rollerblading, rollerblading's most influential videos, and he recently got the the world record for the longest jump ever landed on rollerblades at 30 meters. So, without any further ado, let me just have a sip of Golden Drock. It's Friday night. And Todd is stoked. I've been pacing around for the last two hours. We're about to call Chris Haffy. Hello? Hello. Yeah, what's up, man? How's it going, Chris? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Yeah, it's awesome to hear your voice. It's awesome to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. <laughs> so, you too. So I just want to dive right into it. I'm I'm really really excited to talk to you. I just did a really long uh, a long winded kind of explanation of who you are. I broke down your your achievements in rollerblading, and the list is very long. Nice. Um, and the first question I want to ask you is, how the fuck did you get so good at rollerblading? I just liked it that much. I was, it's kind of like a like an obsessive compulsive thing. Like uh, when I was a little kid, all, all I could think about when I was in school was like getting out of school so I could skate. So it was just like uh, like I got good because I did it so often. I guess I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'm so good. I just I don't know. I, I was on skates probably more than I was off skates when I was younger. So it just kind of came with like wanting to do it so much, I guess. I don't know. 
you spend you obviously do spend a lot of time on skates. Do you do you work out at all? Um, just recently I kind of started, but not like not working out in a way like getting ripped or whatever. Like I, uh, a lot of the stuff I've been doing lately has kind of been like condition training, like um, running or skating long distances with like intervals of like faster running and whatnot, just to kind of keep myself in shape, not really to like you know get get buff or anything. But um, my dad actually runs marathons and ultra marathons and he's basically a beast like recently or not recently but uh not too long ago like i went with him i was part of his crew when he ran around lake tahoe at once like it took 15 and a half hours or something it's like 72 miles i want to say whoa so like i get like a lot of you know inspiration from him and a lot of good techniques in terms of like keeping myself in good shape to have like you know stamina or whatever for skating but i i wouldn't say i work out in terms of like i don't go to the gym and like fucking pump iron or whatever yeah it's crazy because because you are in exceptional uh physical shape i mean just to be able to do the things that you do and just looking at you you're shredded like you your your body fat must be really low like do you um do you take any supplements no 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 supplements nothing like that vitamins Um, no, no, uh, just, I, uh, I don't know, I just, just recently also I started eating a little bit better, um, and, and stuff like that, kind of like keep myself on like an eating program, I wouldn't say it's like a diet, but, uh, just, um, I read this, this book that my dad gave me actually, it's called The Paleo Solution, and, um, it's this guy basically talking about the like what biochemically goes on inside your body with food and what it does for you or doesn't do for you or whatever it is. So I'm trying to, I just try to stay aware of what I'm putting in my body to make sure that what I'm putting in is actually going to do something positive for me. So I just try to be aware of what's going on, but in terms of supplements and stuff like that, I don't, I don't really fuck with that stuff. Okay. Interesting. Like, and, and in like, while you're actually skating, do you do you use any substances like coffee or do you have any? Uh, I mean, I yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, every morning I wake up and I drink coffee, and then uh, I used to actually drink a lot more like energy drinks and shit, or just whatever it was, just to get caffeine, just to kind of like keep me going. But um, recently, since I started eating a lot better. I've found that I just naturally have more energy because my food's actually working for me instead of against me. So uh, I haven't really been doing that as much lately, but uh, I, caffeine is like the extent of like what it would be. Okay. So like you don't, do you take like, cause you're doing like really crazy stuff and, and, and you're taking pretty bad falls, like pretty often. Do you ever pop a Tylenol like during a session or anything like that? No, no, not really, and I actually, I don't, um, I don't even really like taking, taking medicine, I, I, I do, obviously, if I really need it, but, um, I don't know, like, because, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I, if I have really swollen, you know, something going on, I'll take Advil or whatever to stop the, you know, the swelling, or try to do whatever, but I try to stick to, like, not really taking as much medicine as I possibly can. Right. How do, how does your body feel? 
Uh, I mean, it feels good. I mean, I can feel that I'm getting older, you know, but, um, I think, uh, cause I, like I just turned 27, uh, recently and, um, I'm starting to feel the effects of, you know, not, not what skating does to you, but just what happens if you don't stretch or you don't, you know, prepare yourself to be skating. And, uh, I think actually that's been a real big eye opener and I've actually, um, you know, again, going back to my dad, um, he's, he's 64 now. He's about to turn 65 and he's probably in the best shape he's ever been in. Wow. And, uh, I kind of take some inspiration from that in terms of like, I just kind of took for granted that I was able to do what I was able to do with just skating. But, um, I think I realized recently that if I actually take care of my body outside of skating, that when I'm skating, I can actually, you know, get stronger. So like from, from where I'm sitting now, I, I feel completely confident that I have, you know, uh, you know, plenty of years left of, of skating on the same level that I have been, or if not a little higher for a small amount of time and then kind of, you know, plateauing there for a bit. But, um, I mean, I feel like I'm getting older, but I feel like as long as I'm aware of that and and do the necessary things to, uh, you know, sustain what I'm doing, that that won't be a problem at all. Right. I've always I've always thought that it's 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 kind of a shame that people's people's minds grow more wise and 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 you get more experience and you learn things as you go, and while that's happening, your body is kind of on this decline. But it seems like people are getting smarter and and even like with with technology getting to the point that it's at we i th i feel like we do have the opportunity to skate for a very long time and to enjoy a healthy body for a long time even if it requires replacement parts or or things like that um but it's exciting to hear that your body feels good i mean i've i've watched you do such crazy stunts and such big jumps and uh like it's good to hear that your your knees aren't like failing you and and things like yeah. that. Well, I think I think a lot of that too has to do with the fact that from from early on, any time I'm injured, I make sure that I'm like 100% healed before I get back on skates. And yeah. um, I think that has a lot to do with it because I've seen a lot of people take a sprained ankle and turn it into like a fucking lifelong problem by yeah. not staying off it long enough so uh, i don't know i think it's just really listening to your body and making sure that like when you do get injured you get yourself healthy before you get back to pushing yourself and uh, as long as you do that i think you can continue to push yourself for for quite some time totally like is that do you find that painful like when you can't skate is it is it really tempting for you to go out like do you sit there you you get agitated kind of bored when you can't skate or is it pretty easy uh, honestly, it really depends on what's going on. Um, at, at this point in time, I, I honestly don't skate as much as I used to. And, um, I think a lot of that has to do with the way my schedule works. Um, I'll be out on the road, you know, for months at a time skating almost every day. And then when I get home, I'm so burnt out that I just want to chill out for a while. So I end up not skating for, you know, weeks at a time sometimes. And, um, I, I think it really depends on what part of a, you know, a, you know, life I'm at. W one time I went to Europe though, for instance, and I got like destroyed the first day I was there. 
and I was there, I think, for two weeks. I couldn't skate the whole time, and I was losing my mind, like, just because, like, that's what I was there to do, you know, and, like, we were at these cool parks, and all these kids came out to see us, and whatever it was, and, you know, I I enjoyed that atmosphere, and I like skating, you know, with people that are coming out to support what you do, and it was it was driving me pretty crazy not to be able to skate at, at times like that for sure. Yeah, I can relate to that. That's that's painful. Um, yeah. Do you do you have a day job or do you do you make your living like totally from rollerblading? Yeah, no. At this point, I've been lucky enough, uh, you know, and, and blessed throughout my life to to be able to actually live off of skating. Um, you know, I do I do a lot of random shit though, like. Uh, and it always just kind of seems to work itself out. And I'm not rich by any means, but, I mean, uh, I feel like I'm rich in experience of, like, the, the types of things I get to do on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to, you know, not have the money to do everything I would like to do or everything I'd want to buy or whatever because the things that I do get to do outweigh that by so much that I'm, you know, uh, you know willing to to get by doing what I love, but I mean, I, like, just recently, I, I did, like, some random stuff, uh, stunt doubling in, in LA, and, um, all it was was, like, a test for, I, I guess how movies work is, like, a director will come up with an idea for, for a movie and kind of sell, uh, the idea to stunt teams to come up with ways to, uh, kind of show the action they're looking for if it's like this one was like some futuristic movie thing with some like hover boots or whatever it was so i like did some stuff with the stunt team where all we did was film stuff in a skate park for a day like they rented out a skate park and we went in there with like some fake guns and like just did like some chasing stuff you know it's like super random shit like that but it was like three hours and i got paid like 800 bucks you know, nice. just to do it, and it's not something that I feel is like, I don't, it, when I'm doing stuff like that, I'm not really worried about the image of rollerblading, because what we were doing was just something that a stunt team was going to show to a director, like it wasn't something that would ever be released anywhere, or anything like that, and if it did, it'd be this polished version inside of a movie that didn't even have anything to do with rollerblading. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I find random shit like that here and there, but... Is, um, is that a... I mean. Is that a common, is that something that's on your mind when you're doing different things? Is Because, I mean, you have become somewhat of an ambassador for rollerblading. So is that something that you you worry about is like, is this portraying rollerblading in a positive light? Like, is this, um, is this showing rollerblading the way I see it? Like, is that something that, that you think about? A hundred percent, man. I think about that all the time because I feel like whether I like it or not, you know, like it's still weird to me that, you know, as many people pay attention to what I do, I guess it is like the way to say it. But, um, uh, you know, whether I like it or not, that's the reality of the situation. And, um, you know, like this is, uh, like I said, like the, the only way I even got to the level I'm at now is just because I love doing it so much. So like, the last thing in the world that I'm going to do is fucking, you know, take a check to make what I've worked so hard to make look cool for so long look like shit. So, um, I mean, it's definitely always on my mind. And, and in terms of, like, you know, selling out or whatever, like, if someone came along and said, 
you know, say Red Bull or Gatorade or whatever it is came along, they said, hey, we want to pay you X amount of dollars, you know, to, to skate for us, I'd be like, and I didn't have to change anything that I'm doing or just had to do stuff, but, like, I could be in control of what got released or whatever it was, you know, to make sure that I was okay with the image that was getting portrayed. I would take a check in a second, but if they came along and said, hey, we'll pay you a million dollars a year, you know, whatever, but you have to, like, do this stupid-ass shit or whatever, I, it's definitely something that, you know, I take take into account when it comes to things like that. Right. Now, this this next question is, is something that typically in our culture is thought of as a rude question, but I need to ask it, and and I really hope that you'll answer it. Uh, and I think it's something that, that people are really curious about. Um, how, how much money do you make from rollerblading? Um, I mean, right now, every month, I think I walk with close to two grand, something like that. It's like, it's, it's really different every month. And like, if you're counting in royalties, it's a little more or, or a little, you know, uh, whatever, depending on the month. But, uh. I mean, it's enough to get by. I mean, I live in California, and that's part of my problem is that it's one of the most expensive places to live. But uh, really? I definitely can survive off what I make. I mean, it's not like the most lavish lifestyle in the world, but I'm not complaining because I get to live a pretty incredible life. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You get to do exactly what you love to do. And, and like, do you – so you um, – do you live by yourself? Do you live with a, a girlfriend? No, um, I actually live with my best friend. She's a, uh, I've known her since, shit, I, I don't know, uh, I think I was like 13 or 14 when I met her, but um, I actually moved out with her when I was 19. Okay. And uh, yeah, we've kind of lived together ever since. Like, uh, she she went to New York last year for like 10 or 11 months or something like that, and she just recently moved to move back and uh we're actually in the process of moving we just got our keys this morning so uh, we're moving into a different apartment but um yeah i've lived with her for for the better part of nine years wow and yeah. so has this have has this ever been romantic no i mean that's kind of like i don't know we're both i don't know that's not really something like i want to talk about on here or whatever but uh <laughs> But, um, no, not really, like, we've, we've just been, there's just a, you know, you come across certain people and you just kind of have a connection with them, and, and, uh. Yeah, so you, you met in high school, or? How... No, actually, uh, Brandon Negretti went to high school with her, and, yeah. um, I, uh, I met her through hanging out with Brandon when I, like, was starting to, like, get known I guess it was right around that same time and I, I can't actually remember how I met Brandon or it was through my it was through Mike Leaf my my good buddy Mike Leaf yep um started talking to this guy that was doing a clothing company from somewhere and Brandon was filming for him or I don't remember the details but essentially I met Brandon Grady through Mike Leaf and then started hanging out with Brandon a lot and he started filming for us. Um, and when I was filming for that, I was at his house all the time, and I met her through him because they went to school together. Okay. So it's kind of a random 
way to you know meet someone, but that's yeah. how it happened. Yeah, but yeah. she she's not your girlfriend. No. No, you're no. just you're just friends. Yeah. Does she? Um. Okay, let's 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 move like way back in time. All right. All right. This yeah. is always an interesting question, Chris. Yeah. How how did you how did you get into rollerblading in the first place? Um. The first pair of rollerblades I got was when I was like fucking probably four or five years old or something like that. Like right when rollerblades first came out, and. Um, I always just like cruised around on them or like used them like to play roller hockey or whatever it was. So, and then I so, moved to Atlanta. Sorry, you uh, said you said four or five. Yeah, probably. You were that I mean, young. Eh? I was. So I was born in eighty six, uh, eighty five. So maybe maybe yeah. I was six or seven, something like that. So sorry. Whenever the first, you know, when first rollerblades came out, like yeah. eighty nine or ninety or something like that. So eighty five. You're uh, twenty six. 27. I was born in January, so yeah, uh, yeah. You're 27. So you 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 started rolling when you were four. Maybe. I mean, I have pictures of me uh, sitting on a skateboard with quads on when I was like, I don't know, uh, probably like two and a half or something like that. Like wow. that's how my. I at that point in time I was living in Massachusetts, and. Um, we had like a carpeted basement that was kind of like the thin carpet you could kind of roll on, but you can't really get going too fast. Yep. And um, my parents would kind of skate me around the basement to get me tired so I'd actually go to sleep because I had so much energy when I was little, I guess. So um, I've been on skates in one form or another for as long as I can remember. Um, but in terms of like actually skating, skating, grinding, and all that stuff, um, I was playing ice hockey, um, living in Atlanta, and I actually had a pair of Tarmac CEs that I bought just because I liked the way they looked. Nice. And they were like the skates I had just because I thought they looked cooler than the other ones. And then, yeah, did they have the bridge grind plate? Definitely had the metal metal bridge grind plate on nice. there, and all that good stuff. Nice. And um, one of my other friends had uh, had the same skates, and he told me one day he was going to the skate park. And I was like, what, what the hell is a skate park? Like, but, uh, you know, whatever. And he brought me to the skate park. And, and um, that was pretty much it. Like, the first day I went, I was just, it was like crack. Like, and it was it was a wrap after that. Like, that's all I could think about. And then uh, so what, a couple years later, we moved back to California. And ice hockey kind of wasn't an option. So I kind of lost my passion for that. And, sorry, I have, you know, a, like, I have, I have a couple questions. Yeah. I imagine yeah, yeah. I imagine that you were really good at hockey. Were you were you one of the stars on the ice? Like, were you? Because I mean, you're so good at skating. I just picture you being like a dom uh, force, like on the on the ice rink. Were you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I was all right. I mean, I I played um, I played first string right wing, uh, so on like. Atlanta's travel team, so we would, like, travel, you know, all over the South to, like, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, all that stuff, and we did pretty good. I mean, just recently, actually, I found uh, a hockey puck at my parents' house when I was going through, like, their storage stuff, and uh, it was written on there that I, I scored a hat trick in, like, five minutes nice, or something like that, so, like, uh -huh. I mean, we were probably playing a super shitty team at that time or whatever it was, but um, 
I wasn't. I, I was definitely pretty pretty decent at ice hockey. I like to think so anyway. I mean, it's been so long since I played. I like to think back that when I was little, I was good at it. But yeah, I yeah. find I find that that's like a common thread amongst people that are naturally really good at rollerblading. They seem to have all played hockey. Like, I, yeah, that's what I mean. Just Alex having that the, having that background, yeah. I think like you go through the power power skating training and just learning how to skate and then you get on on rollerblades and it's a breakthrough it's like holy shit like i can do this on the street like anywhere i want or in your case at yeah, a skate yeah. park so that that first skate park that you went to like what what kind of skate park was it what did it look like uh it's actually pretty funny it was called skates and bruises and it was uh, i actually met tom heiser there one time when i was like when I was that young, when I was like 11 or whatever, and he was like testing out some, some of the K2s he designed or whatever. So like the fatty was out and he was like testing the fatty pro or whatever, like whatever it was, he was skating some crazy K2s I'd never seen or whatever. And, um, I think it's funny cause I probably, you know, came across the likes of like Kevin Dowling and like all those guys, Walt Austin. Cause it was like there, there was a park that they went to a lot around the same time. And, uh, I just happened to move out of Atlanta before, like, I really started doing much with skating, but it was a pretty normal skate park, you know, it had, like, a inside a mini ramp, it was probably, like, a six-foot mini, and, you know, a couple fun boxes outside, some rails or whatever, nothing, like, too crazy, but it was, yeah. like, you know, your pretty average skate park. Nice, so, like, thinking back to that, that very first time that you went to the skate park, like, what was it that really made you fall in love with, with skating? Like, I don't know. I mean, it was so long ago. I don't. I don't know really. I just remember like. I don't know. I remember like leaving, and all I wanted to do was go back. Like <laughs> if we had just left. Like I don't know. It's kind of how I am now with golf. Like I I golf a lot, or I used to golf a lot, and now I haven't been golfing as much. And every time I go play around, as soon as I'm finished, I just want to play another round. Like it was kind of like the same type of type of feeling like uh we were on our way home and i was like already asking like when the next time we could go back was but um <laughs> i i think it had a lot to do with like like grinding this one rail and it wasn't i, I couldn't even grind it obviously like it was my first time there i just like would it was down this bank ramp so i would and it was like a pretty small bank ramp and the rail was really low so and it started before the bank so i would on the flat of the top of the bank, I would stand there and put my sole foot on there and just kind of slide my other foot up there. <laughs> and then I'd slide down it. But like, you know, I wasn't jumping on, I wasn't really grinding at all, but just the feeling of, you know, grinding that one rail, even though I wasn't actually doing it, I think was kind of like, fuck, I want to go back. Cause I have to actually grind that thing type, yeah. of, type of feeling or whatever. Sweet. So when you were growing up, like, um, was like um was there a certain video that you watched when you first started that that uh really inspired you yeah definitely vg5 i uh after i went to the skate park the uh the store i'd always go to to get my hockey equipment also sold uh aggressive skate shit like that's where i got the tarmax from and um the next time I went in there, I noticed that they were playing a video on the on the screen, and I was just, like, drawn to it. I was just sitting there staring at it, and it was Eric Burke's part. Nice. 
And I specifically remember the part, like, kind of towards the end when he's cruising through uh, the ditch and kind of, like, does a monkey plant 180 thing, like, over a pipe yeah. or whatever. And, like, I was like, I need that video. Like, what video is that? And then they <laughs> told me it was that video, and I bought it and uh, just watched it, like, fucking every single day. And that was, <laughs> like, and then for Christmas, like, I noticed that there was a VG6, and I was like, oh, I need that for Christmas. Like, my yeah. parents got me VG6 for Christmas. So, like, the VGs obviously growing up, like, were pretty influential but then once i moved to california it was all brian bell's videos the, my daily routines and all that stuff that that wow. really got me hyped yeah so that must have been a real thrill for you because like that's kind of how you got your start was like filming for street dwellers with with b bell like that must have been pretty amazing to to watch his videos and then actually like go skating with him Oh, yeah, for sure. And then it was like a progression, too, that was like kind of, it was surreal, to say the least, like, uh, because it was just, they, I mean, they were just like, I mean, we would watch the videos and think they were these famous dudes, like, whatever, and really, they were just, you know, older guys in San Diego that were just doing it on the side, like, when Rollerblading was starting to get big and stuff, and so we would run into them all the time, like, especially when I met Mike Leaf. We would, I would go over to his house and we would go skating around Chula Vista and that was like B-Bell's like fucking like home court. So like we would just run into him all the time and we would never really talk to him because I was like a super shy kid. I would just kind of stand there and like watch what was happening. You know, we'd see Ernie Vellerino and <laughs> like fucking all those dudes and I would just sit there kind of in awe or whatever and... um then a couple guys we started to really get to know, like Brent Letta, I remember specifically, we started to skate with more often. And then, like, every time he went to skate with Brian, he wouldn't bring us with him. But, like, I guess he started to tell Brian, like, you know, there's these kids I skate with that are actually fucking good or whatever. And um, he had Mike's number, and then one day he called Mike for my number. And the next day I came home from school and I had a message on my answering machine of, like, uh, Brian, like, I came home, my mom's like, oh, there's a message on the answering machine from Brian Bell, and I was oh, like, shit. like, yeah, no way, like, yeah. that's funny, mom, like, let's do my math homework, or whatever, like, <laughs> and, uh, she was like, no, I'm serious, you, you might want to listen to it, and so I listened to it, and it was, it, sure enough, it was Brian Bell, and he said, like, hey, you know, like, I just talked to Dave Payne, and he's doing this battle, my crew, um, you know, VG video, and, you know, I'd love to you know have you come out and try to get some stuff filmed for it or whatever and wow blah blah and i just fucking tripped out and then like from mm -hmm. then on it was just kind of like a a waterfall from there and it just i don't know it's just I've, i'm still on that same kind of surreal you know uh path that hasn't really stopped yet yeah that must have been just amazing yeah definitely so when you were in those like younger days was um like, it's typical for younger skaters to kind of look up to certain people and kind of, like, uh, uh, imitate what they're doing. Yeah. So was there any skaters at that time that you were watching that you you imitated or, like, really idolized? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, fuck, I can't I mean, Shimo, for one, was, like, I remember specifically one time I was, my dad used to take me to, like, NIST contests, and I was living in uh, California at this time, so we drove to Phoenix for the Phoenix NIST, and 
I got like the brand new Team Paradise catalog, like while I was walking around or whatever. And then I, I saw Shima wearing like that um, bad attitude equals good wheels shirt or like the meat is murder one. I can't remember which one it was, <laughs> but it was a brand new medium shirt. Nice. And I literally ordered it from Team Paradise from the hotel that night. Like, <laughs> dude, I need that fucking shirt or whatever. So like, I mean, Shima was a huge influence. Obviously, Brian Bell and like all the stuff he was doing in San Diego. Um, fuck, I mean, a, a bunch of guys, John Elliott. Like, I, I ran into him a couple times too when I was like the littlest kid, and he was always so cool to me. And that made such a big impact. Like, anytime I saw him doing stuff in videos, I like paid more attention because I had had like personal interactions with him, and he was like a really cool dude. So, like, yeah. that got me paying more attention to his skating, and then I realized like how awesome the shit he was doing really was. So, like, he was a big influence, and just all the San Diego guys, you know, Louie, Robert, Eric, like, I mean, the list goes on from there. It's pretty pretty ridiculous what I grew up around in terms of, like, legendary skaters. So, coming out yeah. of San Diego, there's a lot of people to look up to. Yeah. Um, is there anything, like, specific about Shima that really uh, got you stoked? Like, what was it about Shima that you were really drawn to? Uh, I think it was the fact that, like, when he did stuff, like, he just did it. Like, it didn't even really seem like sometimes he was really sure it was going to work, but he just did it anyway. Like, I don't know. It was kind of raw, you know? Like, he was just, like, he just decided, like, oh, I'm going to do this trick, and then he would do it. Like, and you could tell sometimes he had to fight through it to get it, but he would just do shit. Like, I don't know. It was always just really raw. I think that's what it was. It was just, like... His, the skating seemed like more powerful in a way because it was just like fast and like I'm doing this like I made up my mind like 100% committed like regardless of like whether it's gonna work or not and then it, like he would just do stuff. Yeah, know. yeah, I can understand that. It seems like there's, this, it seems like he he doesn't just acquire the skills to do something and then do it. It's like he just goes for certain things. So yeah, there's a certain rawness a certain humanness that shines through his skating yeah definitely um let's let's jump let's let's take a time machine to the future the present right. day this about like uh i don't know a few months ago chris you you broke the guinness book of world records the longest jump on rollerblades you jumped yeah. you jumped 30 meters yeah that's 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 far man that's yeah, that's I, really far. I, like I I think about jumping like five meters, and that's that's a pretty big jump. You yeah. you jumped thirty meters. Yeah. So I, yeah. T tell me about like how did that come up in the first place? Um. Fuck. I mean. Like, did someone come? I mean, the guys at Feast hit me up, and they, they basically said, like, we want to set up an event for this to happen. Are you down to get involved with it? But I, I have a, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're, um, you know, uh, coming to me with that had something to do with the fact that I was a little bit outspoken about what Ty had done. And Right. So maybe sorry um the Th guy the guys at feast yeah. like for the for the listeners who don't know what feast is like what is yeah, yeah. what is feast So feast is a is a 
pretty big organization actually in France. They're they're based out of South France in uh in uh Montpellier or Marseille. Yeah, I think it's Montpellier actually that they're based out of. But um, they've thrown a contest every year in Montpellier where um, that's been huge. You know, it involves uh, biking, wakeboarding, skateboarding rollerblading, mountain biking. Right. I mean, it's like a massive event. So it's like a and, big um, big action sports kind of uh, festival. Festival type of thing. Yeah, it's a whole weekend. There's something going on all the time. You know, oh, okay. crazy parties, people everywhere. Like, I mean, it basically, I mean, Montpellier is a really small town, so it draws in, like, the entire town. Like, right. it, it's like what's happening in that city that weekend. Like, Yeah, yeah, really big. So, yeah, and it's... So they've always been fun to go to, but uh, yeah. So they hit me up. Those so guys. you you said you were like outspoken about tags because Tag Chris for the listeners who don't know he he had the previous world record for the longest right. jump. So yeah. how you say you were uh, outspoken about his record? Like what? Yeah. You were well, talking I mean, some I mean, shit or I what? I made a couple comments. I mean, yeah. um, just online, just random shit, and it kind of like got blown out of proportion. Like someone posted something I wrote on roller news or something and what did you write all i said was like ty like please stop or something like that like something stupid you know pretty subliminal like so like i didn't like straight out say it like oh whatever blah blah blah. and it turned into this whole conversation in the comments or whatever and i kind of like explained why i said that and why why did you say that i because it's kind of hard to explain but it, it goes back to the whole like image of rollerblading type of thing and um what bothered me is that ty he's not really in the sport anymore you know he's like he's just this dude that you know at one point in time was you know one of the top vert skaters or whatever and you know i totally respect the fact that he skates and i totally respect the fact that he comes up with like all these ideas and has the ability to get all these people behind him and all this market like marketing going towards what he's doing and i think all that is great like seriously like all like the huge stunt stuff like i'm a huge fan of that like as long as it's done correctly in terms of like what image it actually portrays to you know the rest of the world like especially because you're getting you know so many millions of people to watch what he's doing yeah so so you know just appreciate as a rollerblader who still does it that he would be representing what you know we actually do yeah so do you kind of have a problem with the way that he's, um, the image that he's portraying for rollerblading? I mean, I, it all started, honestly, well, I guess it goes back even further. Like, I was going to say it all started with the whole, like, Superman front flip thing, but it, it goes back a little further. I think the reason, honestly, why this all, like, kind of sat so heavy with me personally was um, I was on... I was in Australia on the on tour with the Nitro guys when he did the first one, the Eiffel Tower thing. Yeah. And um, these are people, you know, that that are you know well-respected action sports, you know, heroes or whatever you want to call them. And like, I've I've spent you know like the last two months with them, you know, training and doing the show, and like, you know, I, I feel like at that you know at that juncture you know even when i came in i was i feel like i was respected but at this point in time i feel like i was a like a well-respected peer to them in terms of 
like whatever, uh, you know, having their image of rollerblading maybe changed a bit from what they thought it was. And as well as realizing that rollerbladers all aren't just like a bunch of stupid kids that are, you know, whatever. Like, so one morning I wake up and I see that on the news in Australia, him jumping off the Eiffel Tower. And then I go downstairs and we're getting on the bus to go to the stadium or whatever. And one of the dudes, like, kind of leaned over to me and he was like, so did you see, like, the, see that rollerblader jump off the Eiffel Tower or whatever? And, like, we kind of got, like, into a conversation about it, and they were just saying how the idea was cool and whatever, but it just wasn't really executed correctly, and it kind of made rollerblading in their eyes not look as cool or whatever. And and this is coming from people that have I've, have been telling me that they're thinking rollerblading's cooler now that they've seen what people are really doing type of thing. So that's kind of where it started. And it kind of planted a seed in my brain that, like, what he's doing is reaching a lot of people. Because these are, like, like I said, like, well-respected action sports heroes or whatever. And they saw it, and it, like, had an effect on what they thought about rollerblading as a whole. Right. So that's kind of where it started. Then, it, when he got the, the long jump thing going, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. You know, as long as, like, he just gets it done, right? That could turn out really cool, especially if he gets just as many people, uh, you know, to watch this one as he did the last one. You know, it's kind of like redemption or whatever. And then the whole Superman front flip thing came out, and I watched this training video, and he was padded up like a hockey player. And I was just like, fuck, like he's at it again. So I just kind of like, <laughs> out of frustration, I just wrote like, please stop. Like, that was it. Yeah. And then... Like, the dude at Roller News, like, took that and put it there. And obviously, Facebook is, like, a, you know, public forum. So, I, it wasn't that I minded that anybody saw what I said. I just minded that it, it had nothing to do with news. Like, that's not Roller News at all. Like, the fact that I would say that, like, in my head. I don't know. So, that kind of got me pissed off. And it kind of rolled into this whole thing and whatever. So, they hit me up to do this whole world record thing and i just have a feeling that maybe some of all of that mess that came out of that is what kind of got them thinking that i might be down to get involved with it right so is that is that something that motivated you to to do the long jump was the fact that you didn't like uh or you don't you don't like the way that um tag chris's shit like comes off so you kind of wanted to do it right and you wanted to beat him at his own game and kind of and do something that um uh, the whole world would see on that level. Like, did your distaste for Tag Chris's um, take on everything and the way he executed things, did that motivate you to do the, the long jump? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, not really, because... Like, I didn't... I, you know, it wasn't something that I saw this, and I was like, fuck, I gotta get something going. You know, like, I gotta... I have to make sure that people see rollerblading for what it is, whatever. It definitely gave me motivation to accept the challenge that someone brought to me. But um, these guys basically said, like, hey, we can set up this event. Like, we want to see if, like, you can break his record. And, like, and it's funny because this is coming from people in France. And I think um, Johan, who's one of the main organizers of the feast as a whole, is a rollerblader. Yeah. So I think as a roller, as a French rollerblader at that, he wasn't very happy with how 
we were represented by what he did, especially in France, because I guess over there, like, the shit that he did was, like, fucking everywhere, you know? Like, you couldn't turn on the TV the day that happened without seeing it on the news or whatever. So they brought it to me, and it definitely gave me motivation to say, like, yeah, sure, fuck it, I'll, I'll, you know, get on board and see what we can do. But, I mean, when they first even brought it to me, though, I had my hesitations, you know? I said, like, First of all, like I've never, I've never jumped that far. Like I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can represent <laughs> skating well doing that because I've never yeah. done it. So this is something that I'd want to test, and I definitely would need like a off ramp that's different than any other takeoff ramp because I'm not trying to go high. I'm trying to go far. Whatever, blah blah. blah. So we shoot the shit for a bit, and basically they were like, "This was at the very end of August," and they basically said, "We want to do the event in December." And when they said that, I was like, well, I don't think this is possible because, you know, there's no way I can test it or whatever, figure out that it works before the date or whatever. And um, they're like, oh, well, what if we build your ramp in two days and fly you to France mm-hmm. and test it to an airbag? And yeah. I was like, what do you, wait, what? And they were like, well, you gave us like dimensions for a ramp. We have an in-house ramp builder. We can build the ramp that you want in two days and have you here when it's done. And oh, wow. then, obviously, we don't have time to build a landing ramp because that's a way bigger project than building a launch. Yeah. And but we do have a massive airbag that you can test it into. Nice. And so this was the so I, the the um, video online that everyone saw of you like yeah. testing the ramp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went out there. That's what that's what happened when I was there. And like I was kind of bummed, honestly, when I saw it, like. When they released it, I understand why they released it because they had to build hype for the event that was happening or whatever. But if I, you know, if it was up to me, you know, I wouldn't have ever even like really shown that because like testing that to an airbag isn't really what, you know, I wanted to do. I, I would much rather have a real landing ramp start, you know, five meters away and keep pulling it back and realize like, okay, well, if I pull it back a meter, I have to go this much faster. So with each meter, I'll go that much faster. Yeah. And, like, test it to a real landing because, trust me, hitting an airbag, you know, going that fast does not feel good. No. It, and um, the other thing, too, was what sucked is I got really comfortable with the launch. Like, my original plan was that I wanted to, to 360 it and go at least into the hundreds or whatever. And I felt like with the, what the you, setup Sorry, I had, what do you mean into the hundreds? Well, into the hundreds in terms of feet. Like, I think I went 98 feet or something like that. Okay. And, like, because my, my, my whole thing was, like, if this was a project that came out of nowhere, I would be totally, you know, pretty pretty happy with how it went down. But um, in terms of, like, people knowing that I was talking, like, not talking shit, but was outspoken about how Ty did it, I felt like I didn't back up what I was saying. And I, that's what that's what really kind of stuck with me is like, I hold myself kind of to a standard as it is, but especially if I'm calling someone out and then like, I don't execute my shit talk. Like, you know, if I don't back up my shit talking, it's like, well, now I just look like an idiot, you know? So I kind of felt like I kind of got like the short end of the stick in terms of the setup, especially when I got there in terms of the, I mean, airbag aside, when I got there and it was a, you know, zip line thing that yeah, we had yeah. to get used to in a couple of days, and there was almost no run up and no landing. And so, yeah, you get to to um, to Fice, and uh, 
it was a zip line uh tow like tell us about like the actual experience of doing the the long the jump well i it was it was honestly like the most nerve-wracking thing i've gone through i think ever in terms of like i knew i knew that it was going to be a wakeboard zip line that i was getting speed from beforehand but i just didn't know what the setup was actually going to look like so when we showed up i was kind of the first thing i said was like there's a pool two feet away from from our run-up like you don't think that's going to get wet they're like no it should be fine and then so we lost an entire day because when uh, obviously when the wakeboarders jump in you know the the uh the run-up got wet so we kind of lost an entire day of practice and on top of losing a day of practice, this wasn't just an event for the long jump. Uh, Roman and uh, Aragon and Frankie and uh, Matias were all learning how to hit a ramp that big in general. So it was almost more important for the show's sake that they learned how to use the zip line to hit, you know, a 40-foot gap. And a lot of time got used with them learning the, the zip line and everything, but at the end of the day when I really sat back and saw how much room I had to get speed to go that far and how much room I had to land. Like if it was up to me, I would have, I would have said like, you know, cut it. Like, let's walk away from this and do it right at another time. But that wasn't an option because it was a show. It wasn't like something we were doing on our own that we were in a film and release. It was like people had bought tickets to this thing. So it was kind of like my decision to either, step up and and given the circumstances do what i came to do or you know be a total bitch and just walk away from it because the setup wasn't ideal so it became kind of a private thing at that point in terms of like well i said i would do this and i came here to do this and you know that's what i'm going to do regardless of anything and that's what kind of turned out like we ended up doing it so i did what i went to do it just didn't happen exactly how I would have liked if everything was ideal. So how, that how did the 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 zip line actually work? Like uh, how like who was in control of this zip line and like you know? Uh, this dude, he's actually a wakeboarder. His name is slipping my mind right now, but um, I actually felt pretty comfortable with the situation because I had worked with him a lot when I went out to test the ramp to the airbag. And right. he helped me a lot in terms of uh, weight transfer from where I was standing when I was holding onto the leash and letting go of it and taking off under control. Yeah, because that has to that had to pull you like pretty fast, eh? Yeah, yeah, it definitely pulled you pretty fast. So I basically had to lean back too far, and then when I pulled the leash at the last second, I would pull my center of gravity back to standing upright basically well so it was, it was i mean it was pretty sketchy but he helped me mm-hmm. out a lot when i was in france so i talked to him a lot we kind of like there was kind of a language barrier because he, he spoke pretty broken english but there was some sort of like understanding that we had in terms of like knowing when the speed was right knowing when the speed wasn't right and like i don't know we had we had everything kind of dialed in so i felt pretty comfortable with that but um he was the one that was in charge of, like, basically how it worked is the, the zip line was set to a specific speed, which I think was 
60, 80 kilometers an hour or something like that. And then there's like this little knob Whoa. that goes from 1 to 10. 68 and, kilometers an hour. Yeah. That's fucking fast. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest getting up to speed as quick as I did for, in, for doing something like that. Yeah, that's, that's 68 kilometers an hour in what, like half a second or one second? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty quick. I mean, the way it works basically is there's Holy a knob that goes shit. 1 to 10. 10, the zip line will be pulling 68. And, yeah. you know, however fast you turn it to 10 is how fast it gets there. Holy like, you can fuck. whip it straight to 10, but, like, if we're holding on and you whip it straight to 10, like, it basically just pulls the thing out of your hands. Yeah. So, he basically had it dialed where he would go, like, you know, slightly turn it, like, 2, 4, 6, and then rip it to 10, like... All I had to do was get, like, a little bit of speed going, and then it would just kind of yank you. But, I mean, like I said, I don't go to the gym, so my arms are not in the best shape because everything I do is working on my legs, like, in terms of skating. So, Yeah, I imagine it would take, like, a really tight grip to just hold on to it. Yeah, not only that, but just doing it it over and over again in practice. Like, my arms, by the time it was the day of the event, my arms were, like, dead. Like, it was... It was, like, pure determination that kind of got me through that one. But, um, I mean, in terms of, like, what you actually had to do to get up to speed in that amount of time and let go and have it under control was pretty ridiculous. So, like, I'm not as upset, like, with how it turned out. I just wish, you know, because when you watch it, you can see that it's pretty sketchy. But I don't think you really, unless you, like, were there and were had tried it or seen people trying it, like, I don't think it's there's a clear understanding of like how hard it actually was to get it accomplished. If that yeah. makes sense. No. Yeah. No kidding. That's, I mean, you jumped 30 meters. I think yeah. if you, if you don't understand that, then you're a fucking retard. Oh no. I mean, I, <laughs> and the thing too is I'm, I was stoked that I did it and stoked I was alive and whatever. And I mean, my <laughs> biggest issue was I, I like, and trust me that night I went out and like had the, had the best night ever. I was glad to be alive and, <laughs> I was pumped that I got the record and all that stuff. The one thing I would like to have changed is just have the setup be different so I could have executed a little a little clean. I'm not saying like perfect, like I didn't want to be like, you know, just sailing through the air like you know, with like it was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, but it was just like out really out of control in my yeah. head, like what happened, which is what I was unhappy with. Yeah, I, I think if it was like a a better setup and it was more comfortable for you to hit it like maybe there was a longer run up and maybe it didn't uh it didn't get you going so fast so quickly yeah um it's it is quite possible that you could have like gotten more comfortable with it and maybe like 360 did or just like done something better yeah that's and that's something that you'll probably have the opportunity to do in the future right um in in the edit where where you actually did it um, before, like you were holding on to the zip line, and you yeah. were, and and you could see your mouth moving, like you were saying something. Yeah. But in the edit, you can't hear what you're saying. Like, what were you, what what were you saying? Yeah, I was I was literally praying. I was saying, uh, uh, "Give me strength, give me flight, and keep me safe." Over and over and over again. That was the only thing I said. Probably the way the whole thing went down too was kind of crazy. Like. Uh, I was, we did like a first couple jumps, the show started, and I went to a skate park on the other side of the arena by myself, having no idea what was going on, so you saw like Roman's fall. Yeah, that uh, was horrible. 
Yeah, so I didn't even know that happened Whoa. until after the event. Like, I was in a skate park on the other side trying to keep myself warmed up and ready to go, just waiting for somebody. And they seemingly took a lot longer than I thought they were going to. And they brought me back in, and from the time I came back into the arena, the only things, like, once I, oh, I did the first two or three jumps, and then once it got to, like, a distance I had never done, like, because in practice, the longest I went was, like, 21 meters or something, like, that, and that was that day, earlier that day, and I fell. So wow. I was like, dude, I really don't know if this is going to happen, like, I'm going to try my best, and I was like, I don't have any more strength right now, so I'm going to go back to the hotel and chill out for a while. I'm going to come back, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen during the show. Like, there's no reason for me to kill myself now. Like, I might as well kill myself in front of the people if that's what's going to happen. So once I hit 21 meters in the show, the only things I said were, give me strength, give me flight, and keep me safe. Like, I was I was literally praying because I was, like, dead-ass tired. My arms were sore. I was scared of shit because when you're when you're that close to the takeoff ramp and you see how far away the landing ramp is, like it really doesn't make any sense. So I think if I had, if I had started thinking anything other than those things, I would have like kind of talked my way out of or talked myself out of doing it. But I just kind of like kept repeating that so I didn't think. Wow. Yeah. Fuck. Which probably maybe looking back wasn't the best idea because if it had gone wrong that. Would have sucked, but. Yeah. Um, I have to take a piss. Um, my wife is gonna sit down and ask you a few questions. I'll be I'll be back in a couple minutes. Okay. Sounds good. I don't know how I got conned into this here. <laughs> it's all good. Hi, Chris. I'm Carly. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I was just creeping yeah. you on Facebook. Oh, right on. Find anything good? Oh, your your live-in friend is quite the hottie toddy that's what I found out. Yeah, that is true. She's a very attractive lady. My, my. Um, yeah. I don't know. Todd has, like, a list of, of questions to guide him, so I don't really want to steal from it, but All right. one of the ones on the list is something I was wondering. Okay. Because Todd's, of course, is starstruck. He's talking to Chris Haffey. <laughs> um, do you watch any of their mushroom blading videos? Yeah, definitely. I've seen, uh, I, I haven't seen anything super recently, but I've definitely, you know, I pay attention or try to pay attention to everything that's going on. Like, like I said before, you know, I have a pretty, uh, uh, you know, I just like rollerblading a lot. So I pay attention to what's going on with it. So uh, I definitely pay attention to everything that, you know, is happening and, and they're definitely doing some cool stuff up there. Yeah, they're they're crazy for sure. I was going to ask you what you, you thought of if you'd seen their most recent video. They did this one called Wacky Mode. I haven't seen that one. Oh, it would have been interesting to get your opinion just because it got yeah. a lot of criticism and you were talking oh, okay. about uh, roller news. The in oh, yeah, yeah. The infamous roller news that allows people to hide behind anonymity and yeah, make that, all sorts of comments. That's like a joke in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know if I how I feel about that because it just I mean, I think Joey and Todd are really open to different criticisms, yeah. but it's really unfortunate that people don't form, I guess, educated and sort of clear well, opinions cuz yeah, yeah, that's the biggest problem with that website is everybody just goes on there and just fucking 
lets the floodgates down and some seemingly for no reason sometimes with no purpose behind what they're saying and no, no facts to follow up what they're saying. And, uh, I, I learned a long time ago not to read into any criticism that comes on that website because it just breeds negativity everywhere. And like, if, if you feed into any of it, I mean, you're just, you're just doing yourself a disfavor. And in terms of what I've seen from what they've done, they're, they're very true to themselves and they just do what they feel like doing. And that's what skating's about is just doing what, what, you feel good doing so i mean if kids have a problem with that then fuck them anyway like so yeah. I, I wouldn't read too deeply into into any of the stuff that people are saying on that site yeah i have a i have a hard time just being the outsider i mean i by no means rollerblade but yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i've been before i dated todd six years ago i was friends with joey and watching and i was always following stuff on the net and i just have a really hard time specifically with roller news because yeah. somebody works really hard to do something with whatever art form they're doing whether it's like grinds big gaps airs or being more stylistic and creative and so for me it's really difficult i feel like lately even with their last video coming out i was saying to todd like you should be more careful with what you put out and like look at what these people are saying and and he he sort of done what you have done in that he doesn't look too much into the feedback but as yeah, a, exactly. as the friend or the girlfriend or the wife of somebody who's doing it i find it really difficult like i want to go on there and set them straight yeah but anyway no i can i can definitely understand the the uh, the feeling behind that but i mean in terms of like getting on there and trying to set anybody straight first of all you see in there most of their original posts that there's not very like a very educated uh critique going on and like if you're trying to just sink to their level and, and set them straight like they're just going to come back with an even more uneducated blabber of whatever and so you just like I, I don't know i've i've been in a position for quite some time where people talk about not quite some time but you know especially over the last couple of years where people you know, talk a lot about almost anything I do that's public. Right. And if I paid attention to everything people said and let it affect, like, how I thought about what I was doing, like, I wouldn't be where where I am now. So I just, I don't know, I you just got to take it with a grain of salt and realize that some people are just have nothing better to do than sit in front of their computer and talk shit on every video that goes up on that site. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. this was a really good counseling session. That helps me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Todd's back. I'm going to go back to creeping you on Facebook. <laughs> Sounds okay. good. Chris. Yeah. I'm back. I peed. I urinated. Awesome. And I did some push-ups, too. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. Just get, get the blood flowing. Yeah. Get those pecs blasted. Dude, I have to say, like, I'm really impressed with how articulate you are. Uh, thank you. I yeah, I mean, yeah. you're you're a really good speaker. You're really good at expressing your thoughts. Yeah, I've got, I've, uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, one of the things, uh, my good friend Trudy that lives with me, um, she's. Uh, been pretty huge like throughout everything like like I said I've known her for so long that like uh she's kind of been there through everything that's you know happened I guess like that 
is out of the norm of what usually happens to people in like this weird road I've been on. Yeah. And um, I don't know, she's been massive in keeping me grounded to real life and like, like, I don't know, keeping interests in, you know, things outside of rollerblading, including, you know, reading and things of that nature that kind of like keep your brain working. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I thank her a lot for that because like, I, I, at the point I was at, I could have gone down like the straight, like blade life, like, uh, you know, I don't really care about anything, whatever. I got out of high school early and all that shit. I was just like done. So, I mean, I could have gone one way, but like she really helped keep an interest in, uh, you know, the fact that there is life after skating and if, you know, you want to do anything, you really need to be able to talk to people and know what you're talking about and express how you feel about shit. So uh, I've been pretty blessed with having her as a good friend throughout this whole ride. Yeah, the the female female brain is a very important thing to have around. It's a very Agreed. important uh, influence. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is uh, something that I've loved that you have uh, been creating. It's these blade, these games of blade, and you've done you've, you've done one with Aragon, Farmer, and Stockwell. Yes. And uh, you've lost all three, but no one's counting. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are extremely entertaining. Like I love them. I think my favorite was the one with you and Farmer. And yeah. I think the reason I love it so much, uh, the one with you and Farmer, you did everything switch. Yeah. And and so a lot of the tricks, like some of, some of the tricks look really good, but a lot of the tricks look like really awkward, and and you missed a lot of tricks. And for yeah. and but that though that edit, the one with you and Farmer, was so entertaining. There's something so amazing about seeing you seeing the imperfections and like you guys are like two of the best rollerbladers in the world and uh to see you guys like miss tricks and land tricks but like kind of awkwardly and just get the job done like there was something in that that's that showed so much humanity and so much rawness like it was so entertaining to watch yeah. so i just have to give you credit for the blade uh, edits. I, I love I them. I love them. And a lot of the people that I've talked to have just like really loved those edits. Like they're so entertaining. Um, yeah, man, I've, gotten, I've gotten like a lot of good feedback from everywhere about all those. So I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, they did the job I was, I was wanting them to do and people are enjoying them and not just wondering why I'm putting out 11 minute long videos with <laughs> not as much skating as most people would be looking for, I guess. No, they're so awesome. They're so awesome. I love them. Um, so, who's next? Like, do you have a plan for the next game of Blade? I do have a plan, and honestly, I, I've been pretty disappointed, you know, in myself in terms of uh, production uh, and, uh, you know, continuity of content on the site itself. And um, what happened was when I started it, I had all these ideas and filmed a majority of them before I even launched the site. So I had like all these videos in the pipe, you know, just ready to go up whenever I felt like, you know, things were lacking. I needed like to draw some more interest back. And uh, 
the thing that happened is I realized that, you know, these things are actually pretty hard. Like, as seemingly as easy as it, as it is, because all you're doing really is taking a filmer and a skater and going to a, a spot and filming every single thing that happens for a game of Blade. Coordinating schedules for someone that's able to film it in a way that will work for the edit and getting the skater I'm trying to play in the same place at the same time and all that has become quite a, you know, quite a quite a mission as of lately and uh, I'm pretty bummed on it. But I, I do have, definitely have some plans uh, for what's coming, but I don't want to say anything about it because I don't know how near completion that is and i i'm not a huge fan of letting something out of the bag way before the end product is going to uh <laughs> hit the shelves yeah yeah i suppose is a way to say it yeah yeah but what? um no I, I definitely do have some plans and i think they'll be equally as entertaining uh if not more because i've i've kind of learned with the ones i've done like what people are enjoying and and whatever and i just hope to keep being able to bring you know some entertaining videos to the table yeah, uh, yeah. hopefully in the not so far off future yeah well just so you know like those those uh games of blade are like super super entertaining and i for one really hope to see more like those are yeah, yeah those are super I, got, sweet. I got some plans so they will be on the way i just don't know when but they are cool. coming yeah um so my next question is um like since the beginning, I mean, you have been on REMS. Right. You, you have uh, a lot of skaters, like, go from skate company to skate company. And you, yeah. like, even since the beginning of that brand, like, um, since Kato was making skates out of, like, homemade, handmade skates out of his garage or whatever, like, you've been with that company for, for your whole career. And right. for a very long time. Um, I have to ask, like, have you ever gotten offers from other boot companies? Because, I mean, you're, you're like, one of the best in the world. Like, there has to be some companies that have, like, you've been out drinking or whatever, and they've, they've said, like, hey, like, why don't you, why don't you come skate for my company? Has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, a long time ago, um... A really long time ago, right around when, like, Randy and, and Lou were starting Deshi, I think maybe something came up, you know, but, I, like, the thing is, is that, I, as you know, the skate industry is, is a really small entity, you know, so, like, everybody knows everybody and everything, and everybody knows that, like, with Kato and I, it's like a family thing at this point, like, or, and even, you know, even a couple years into it, like, I mean, I, I think it all really started when Kato took a chance on this kid, you know, that really had, had proved nothing up until that point, and he put a lot of faith in, in me, and, uh... Yeah, like, how, know, how old were you when Kato put you on REMS? Fuck, um... Well, I'm 27 now, it's 2012, and I think I got on in 2000, so it was 12 years ago, so it was, I was 15. Whoa. Right? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I was around 15, I guess, yeah. When Holy the first, shit. We, we did the, the first kid. poster. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I, it, it became, like, a family thing pretty quick. Like, when things started to, to kind of blossom, there was no, like, 
You know, at, at first, don't get me wrong, at first there was like a lot of different offers when I was like just this up-and-coming kid. Yeah. But um, at that point in time, I was like, well, fuck this. Like, these kids are good. And this guy, like, this guy, Kato, who was, who was also my good friend at the time, you know, put his faith in me and put, put the image of his company on my shoulders and, you know, let me, you know, represent him, which was like a huge risk on his part. So, like, as soon as, you know, someone else comes along, I'm not just going to bounce on that. And um, yeah. so it became, it, I mean, Kato and I, to this day, I mean, when I went, when I went out to, uh, to test that ramp in France, actually, uh, Kato didn't go with me. And I, I actually spent some time with his parents and stuff while I was there. I mean, like, because that, that contest feast I was talking about was in Kato's hometown. Oh, wow. So every year, Kato has like this huge dinner at his family's house. With uh, he brings everybody over, they cook like this huge traditional meal, and it's it's the best. So I've known his parents for a long time. Like I mean, with Kato and I, it's like a straight up family thing at this point, and like nobody, everybody knows that. So at, like right now, like the last you know five six years, no one's given me any offers because it's like they know what kind of toes that would be stepping on, like. And in such a small industry, like, it's not really, like, it would just be bad form, I think, at this point, like, to offer that, I, I think. But um, I've had a couple offers, but never anything that, that really crossed my mind of taking. Yeah. Crazy. So when you first got on REMS, uh, you were skating the, like, uh, the handmade skates that Kato was making? Yeah, he was, uh, every single pair, run. it's kind of crazy, even now, like, when, when you see a pair of of either the the white with the black toes or the the gray toes with the black skin, you yeah. know for a fact that like Kato put those together. Like yeah. they they would come into they would come into San Diego for a while he was doing it out of his R V. Out of his R V. Yeah, out of an R V. <laughs> and uh he would uh, you know, take the base plates and the frames and everything, they'd all come in pieces and he'd have to put them all together. And, um, well, yeah, so, and then he got a small warehouse and then like, it just kept kind of growing, but, uh, he would spend days on end. Like when a new shipment of skates would come in, he would spend days on end just putting skates together. Like, like nobody's business. Like, wow. Dude, dude had a, had a, had a vision and yep. was willing to do like whatever it took, like definitely to, to get it going. And I don't know. I think we kind of share like that same like kind of drive and that's kind of why we make a, a good pair in terms of sponsor and writer yep yeah. i've always found that really admirable um the way kato he he had a strong vision for the way he had a vision for a skate and he he made it like handmade he he put so much effort into producing that technology like he had a, a true passion for like he wanted freedom of feet. He wanted you to be able to point your toes when you skate, and there's there's a very specific vision in those skates um, that is really admirable. And there's a certain experience of skating rems that you yeah. don't you don't get from other skates. Like yeah, the way that you can move your feet in rems is exclusive to rems. Like has that obviously that has aided your 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 progression in skating like absolutely 100%. having that freedom of feet absolutely yeah, uh, yeah agreed. it's interesting totally. it's interesting that um 
looking back, like I, I've seen you in videos, and the one time that I watched you, I think you broke your ankle or you you broke your leg or something, and you actually broke your ankle in razors. Yeah, yeah. 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 What video was that yeah. in? That was in. Uh, uh, I was it film. It was one yeah, of yeah. Carl, Carl Sturgis's videos. I think it was film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was the one. One like the only video where you've been skating something else. It was in razors, and yeah. and a lot of people criticize Rems for not having proper ankle support. And it's ironic that you broke your ankle in, uh, like a an, a traditional cuff skate like razors. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I mean I th I think it's kind of funny the whole ankle ankle support um, you know argument. I think it's you know based on. Uh, assumptions more than trial and error like because i mean granted if you look at a rims and you've never skated it i mean it kind of just looks like a leather boot you know that like and if you're used to looking at this hard shell plastic with this buckle or whatever you think like oh well, that has to have more support it's it's plastic and buckle and whatever but i mean when you get down to the skeleton like there is plastic and whatever in in the skate and not only is there plastic but the way a rims is built to fit your ankle you tighten the skate around your ankle and it moves with your leg giving you like an, a pretty unmatched amount of support and when i what i find with a lot of of hard shell skates because um, i still try skates on every now and then you know just to have like a you know, an idea of what's going on with other companies and this and that and just see what's what's up or whatever. And um, a lot of times I feel like you set your buckle to like a certain, you know, extent on both sides and your leg kind of moves around inside of the cuff. Yeah. And the skate isn't really actually moving with you. So, I don't know, I, I always just kind of laugh off the, the ankle support thing and chalk it up to people having never tried it out of, you know, fear that it actually doesn't have support when really it's one of the most supportive skates on the market, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fear. A lot of people just really fear hurting their ankle, and and they they just look at it and and they they don't want to risk it or or whatever. Yeah. Um. But Chris, I've you have done so many so many fucking death-defying things. Like, you talk about this this huge 30-meter uh, jump that you did and and those crazy tricks in Drip Drop the, the where you jump on the table in 360 over two fences, like over a road into oh, yeah. a bank. And, like, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Like, you were the first to do, like, a 540 to kind grind. Like, you, you fucking jumped and spun 540 degrees... And landed kind grind on a handrail. You've done all these things that are so crazy, so risky. Um, do you think about death? Are are you afraid to die? Like, and, and I'm not. I'm not even saying. I'm not even. I got a lot of life to live. I'm not trying to die. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even saying like from skating, but. But in general, no, like, no, no, in do general, you think death, about yes, death? Are you really are you afraid to die? Uh, I mean, in a in a way, yeah. In a way, no. I mean, 
it really kind of depends on when you ask. Like, sometimes I'll, you know, be driving and, like, no music will be on. I'll kind of, like, get lost in, like, a cloud of thought, thinking about, like, the fact that everyone actually dies or whatever. And, you know, of course that's going to freak you out or, like, you have little, you know, spurts of anxiety or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I, I would say, no, I'm not really that scared to die. Like, especially with experiences I've had, like, I mean, I know it's not, like, the most comforting thing, but, I mean, I've, I've been in, like, car crashes, you know, where, like, uh, I don't remember the entire, you know, I don't remember the crash at all. Like, the last thing I remember is, like, headlights or whatever and, like, uh, coming towards us. And, and like, if I had died, I would have had no, no idea, you know? And that, in a strange way, gave me, like, this sense of, like, not being scared to die in terms of like it's probably not going to be that bad because your brain kind of like shuts off when like crazy ass shit's going on i mean that happens like oh sorry uh with a lot of things you know like once you hit a certain amount of pain like your brain just like blacks you out like no you're not gonna you're not gonna have to go through this like not to say that it's gonna be fun or anything like that but uh i don't know i I think that gave me, like, this strange sense of, like, well, like, when it's your time, it's your time, and I don't know, especially with, like, how crazy the world is nowadays, like, I don't know, I mean, if I died doing what I loved and I didn't even know it really happened, like, I mean, that's, to me, that's, that couldn't, I mean, that's not the worst way to go, I don't know. What do you think, what do you think happens when you die? Fuck me, I don't know, um... I mean, I'm I'm pretty. I was raised like Roman Catholic, like, and generally, I'd say you know I'm not practicing. You know, I don't go to church and everything, but you know, like like you saw in that that video, you know, I still pray and stuff like that, and you know, I believe in God and all that stuff. So I have to believe that something happens. I just I have no idea what it is. Yeah. I can't even be be like uh, you know I can't even really try to think of that. Yeah. Well, that's an intelligent uh, answer. <laughs> that is. I mean, how the fuck are you supposed to know? You're a monkey. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I can't <laughs> even start to comprehend. I mean, it, the way I look at, at all that stuff is I just... I look at, at the fact that I've been blessed with like this crazy life that, you know, like I said, I've never had a job. I get to do what I love like on a regular basis. I travel the world with my best friends and rollerblade like whatever happens at the end of the day, like, I just think you need to enjoy your time here as much as you possibly can. Like, because who knows what's going to happen? Like, so I'd much rather be doing what I'm doing and be like, take this opportunity that I've been blessed with and run with it and just enjoy my time here. And then kind of like roll with the punches while I'm here. But just in my eyes, all you really need to be concerned with is like making sure you're happy while you're here. Cause if you're just miserable, like planning for the future, and the world blows up in December, like, whenever the Mayan calendar's up or whatever, then, like, your whole life just sucked because, like, you're planning for the next 20 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I yeah. just I just feel like the world is, like, a pretty crazy place right now, so the best thing to do is just kind of, like, have as much fun as you can, like, with the opportunities you have, so... Fuck I'm just kind of yeah. trying to roll with that. Chris, you are an intelligent dude. <laughs> I you, appreciate it. The shit you say makes sense. Thanks, man. I, I tend to rely on, on logic and common sense more than uh, most other things. Fuck yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Just 
you know, it's temporary. You don't know what's going on. Just make the best of it. Enjoy it. That's good advice. Um, something that a lot of role-bladers experience is this kind of, uh, like, people see them in videos. People, uh, like, all I know of you, like, this is the first time that we have spoken. We've never met. Right. I've, yeah. I've never, you know, it, what I know of you is what I've seen in videos and in interviews or photos or whatever. Right. Um and I've had the same experience where people have only seen me in videos, they've only seen me in, in photos, and... Are you alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Sorry, I was just moving, uh, got a little cooler here, I was just moving something around in it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, so what I'm saying is, like, there's, there's obviously a difference between who, who the real person is and how people perceive them through these videos and shit that they put up. So my question to you is, how is the real Chris Haffey different from the Chris Haffey that people experience through videos? Well, honestly, that was where the whole idea of my website came from. Because... I started kind of to realize a couple of things. Like one was that anytime anybody saw me, I was either in a video where I was trying to get all serious and film apart, or they saw me at a contest where I was getting all serious and trying to win some money to fucking keep eating. So, like, I start and and just generally when when you're put on a level that people put you on, like I'm not saying that I see myself on this level, but when people put you in a place where you're one of the best at what you do if like you're serious all the time they just like the the general consensus is that all you do is skate and you just fucking you're this training machine and whatever and blah blah, blah and all this stuff and i just started noticing that like i don't know because i'm i find it kind of hard to be yourself on camera when you're trying to accomplish something and so what I what the whole idea behind the website was was to show one the every every video I made was meant to be based on personality first even the blade games and the blade games especially were meant to show my friendships with other pro skaters that kids may never really realized were going on and the interaction that we have as like real people and um, as well as having some skating in there to keep them, you know, watching. But the whole yeah. idea was kind of to show really how people are, like, and really show myself. Because, I mean, I think I have a pretty funny sense of humor. Maybe that's yeah. just me thinking I'm funny. But I just felt like no one knew that side of me. Like, the people I know knew that side of me or whatever. But I felt like doing the Games of Blade was a way to get people... Uh, you know, to kind of come out of their shell and really show who they are. Yeah. Me. Because they no. weren't thinking about the fact that they're on camera. We're just, you know, like the game distracts you from the fact that you're getting filmed. Yeah, those games are amazing for showing uh, your personality and the personality of, of the people that you're competing against and, like, your relationship with them. 
Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Which was what the idea perfect. was. So I'm really yeah, happy that it's really working. good. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of where that whole idea came from because I think a lot of people didn't have necessarily the right idea of the type of person I am based on my skating. Yeah. And it's really kind of hard to you know judge who a person is on how they skate. Yeah. And so, I think yeah, it's, uh, I think it's really important to show. Um, who you are, I think when you show who you are and when people have a sense of who this person is, they'll, they'll care more about your skating. Right. It's like when you're, you're totally right. Like you're, you're really intelligent, Chris. When you said that, um, when people see you as just a robot, when people just see you as this like training machine, it's like your tricks don't have as much impact. No, no, definitely not. It's like, as soon as people can relate to you as a person, like, oh, this guy is just like me, then every trick that you do has infinitely more impact on the viewer because it's like, wow, like, he's just like me. Yeah, no, I agree because a lot of times I'll I'll see someone skating and I'm not that into it. And then, like, I'll meet them and hang out with them for a week and, like, we get along, you know, famously as people. And then every time I see their skating from them on, I kind of see a bit of their personality and what they're doing. Yeah. And, and it it definitely gives you a better appreciation for that. For sure. It's always like really interesting to see one of your friends skating. Yeah. yeah, You appreciate it so much more because you've like talked to them and, and you see where they live and you see what kind of food they like or the, whatever they do. And it's, and it just adds like this element to their skating. It's like, oh, I know where they come from. And it's like, yeah, this, exactly. this person, he's yeah. just a person. And wow, he pulled this off? Like, I'm so thrilled and like impressed that he did that. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you obviously like put a lot of effort into like filming for sections, like for videos. Um, I imagine that you you'll spend, I don't know, a certain amount of time, like, just focusing on one video section with a filmer, you'll go out several times and and really put your physical ability on the line, and you'll, like, bust out and do risky shit, put a lot of effort into filming sections, so I have to ask you, like, is there, are there any videos that you can, uh, you can say that, you put a lot of effort into, but you are really dissatisfied with the result? Like, you really didn't like the way that the editor put it together? Uh, not really. I mean, that's, I mean, I'll be, I'll be 100% honest. Even if there was, which there isn't really, I don't <laughs> think I would be one to, like, speak on that to put anyone on blast, like, in a situation <laughs> like, what's done is done. Yeah, but, I, um, I didn't expect but, you to answer that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but to be honest, like in general, I've worked with a lot of good friends, and I've been generally pretty editing-wise. That you know, I haven't really been that upset with anything. Um, but every single time I finish a part, I never feel like it's done until like maybe a year or two later when I can look back on the part and say, you know, like you know, that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty complete or whatever, but at the time that it's finished, there's always, I always feel like, oh, there's that one trick I wanted to do and didn't get to do or whatever. Like, I always feel like it could be a little bit 
better and like uh you see? i don't know it takes a while for me to like sit back and like actually appreciate what i accomplished with, with filming anything but um i think the biggest thing too is nowadays like i i haven't really put out like anything you know since regardless not that that was like a super long time ago but i think you know in years past i was putting out sections more uh frequently and one of the reasons is i just have so much going on that i haven't been able to spend the time that it really takes me as as a person to like put down something i'm happy with and uh in my opinion if you're not going to put out something better in some way to you like whether it's bigger faster stronger whatever or if it's progressive technically or if it's progressive you know to your last part then it's kind of pointless to put it out it and uh especially in a real video and a dvd that people are going to be paying money for you know like i, I can guarantee you like that you're never going to be disappointed with a part that i put out because like i'm not going to put out a part if if it's not up to par with what i think i should be capable of putting out at that point in time right I I want I really want you to be careful with that attitude because I really I really don't want you to to in the next couple years say like oh I can't keep up with these young kids or No, no, but it's not even like that though cuz see that's the thing though is I'm not talking about uh I, sorry I kind of maybe it's hard for me to express really what I mean by that cuz I don't I don't Right now, like, I don't see myself competing with anybody, like, I, um, which is maybe also, like, an unhealthy way to look at things, but um, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate in terms of, like, being able to kind of cement, uh, you know, my name is what it is, like, and, and it is what it is, so I'm only competing against myself at, at this point, in term, especially in terms of, like, filming, like, I don't feel like if... Because, I mean, there's some amazing people coming up, like Montre and John John, that are just starting to, like, push stuff to a level where it's like, dude, I, I'm totally aware that at some point in time, like, you know, people are going to be doing stuff that's way out of the realm of what I'm capable of doing. And I don't feel like I need to compete with what they're doing. I just feel like somehow what I put out needs to be progressive for myself. Right. Like, and that may be way smaller stuff than I've ever done, but be progressive in some other way. I just... I can't just, like, put out a part of, like, me doing, like, easy tricks on down rails or something. You know, I, yeah. I just mean, like, it needs to be entertaining somehow. And to me, to be entertaining skating-wise, it has to be progressive in my head, in my skating and what I'm doing. Like, but yeah. I don't really, I don't really look at other things because, I mean, especially even, like, people, because I've been so um, caught up with other stuff I'm doing, like Nitro and, and all that stuff. You know, even people like Alex right now, his skating is is outrageous. Like the control he has and the tricks he's doing. And when I was I was watching um, footage for AJ's new video the other day, and I'm I'm constantly blown away by Alex's ability on a pair of skates. And like, if I was comparing myself to him and his part that he's putting out, like there's no way I'd want to release anything. So I just stay conscious of like making sure that for for myself, it's something that I'm proud to have people see me do yeah yeah that's uh, that's really smart i i think it's always a mistake to compare yourself to other people because there's yeah. always there's always going to be people that are better than you at something um uh, and i just think that it's a shame that a lot of 
a lot of role bladers have dropped out of our industry because they feel like they can't quote unquote keep up with um, the young kids. Like there's all yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there's gonna be there's always gonna be new up and comers or like young kids that can do shit that you can't. But Dude, John Julio is the most perfect example about how you can mature your skating in a way that you are still the fucking man. Like yeah. John Julio is the dude. Like, if you watch any of the stuff he does on skates nowadays, like, you, when you watch John, you don't compare him to anybody else because what he's doing is so John Julio, like, if that makes sense. But it's like, when you watch his shit, it's powerful still. Like, whether or not he's doing, you know, the biggest spin and trick you've ever seen, and it's not the most progressive thing, when you watch it, it's just as, if not more powerful than something that, like, someone else has done so like yep. he's definitely someone i look up to in terms of like being able to hold your shit down like as long as you want as long as you you know do it the right way and he, yeah. he's matured his skating in a way that's like ridiculous and anytime you see him skate it's a powerful experience for sure yeah and that that having that experience and and doing it for so long it puts you at a level that like the young kids might be able to pull off tricks that you can't but as a person that's been doing it for so long, you can do things in a way that that is beyond them and, and is beyond anyone because you've been that person for so long. Like, imagine when you are like 36, like Chris Haffey at 36. You've been, you've been doing what Chris Haffey has been doing since you were 15. Yeah, yeah. You can't fucking compete with that. Like, a new fucking up-and-comer, like, 18, 19 years old, cannot compete with that. Even if they... Obviously, they'll be able to do things that you can't, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they can't compete with being Chris Haffey for 35, 40 years. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, I feel like, especially, you know, um, going back to my dad again, like, just seeing, like what he's able to do at his age, like, not to say that I'm going to be fucking dropping hammers till I'm 65 or anything, but just seeing what he's able to do at his age, he's made me very aware that if you take care of yourself, the longevity of what you can do physically is going to be way greater than if you just, For like, sure. fuck off and eat whatever you want and don't pay attention to what you're doing. But, yep. uh, and I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to go to, bitter cold when I'm 36 and compete and try to win or something like that but I feel like at 36 I could go to bitter cold and still be relevant and still yep. be doing tricks that people care about but sure. not, you know winning the contest and I'm totally okay with that and I think that's really like I think that's kind of what bums me out too like you said there's a lot of people that I don't think they realize how much power their skating still has whether or not they're being competitive what with what like the most progressive tricks are out at that time and like there's definitely people that could be you know putting stuff out that would be powerful more powerful than maybe some of the pro- most progressive stuff is yep yeah so uh, I don't know. how does how does your dad feel about your skating how do your parents uh feel about uh you choosing this path and and not having a real job and and just like pursuing this career as a professional rollerblader. Um, on, like honestly, I wouldn't be where I am without their support. Like I've spoken on it like plenty of times in in terms of interviews and whatever. But um, I mean, uh, to this day, they're 
I mean, the two proudest parents, like, I mean, it, it's almost embarrassing, you know, like how much they'll talk me up to people we run into, you know, whether it's people we haven't seen in a while or whatever. And, like, as embarrassing as it is, like, it really, you know, it's something that's special to me because, like, it, I really feel like my parents are proud of what I'm doing. And um, that's huge, like, having their support because, like, sometimes shit does get tough, you know? Like, there's sometimes, like, some months coming around, like, you know, I have to borrow, you know, some money and, and wait till I win a contest to pay them back or whatever. And if they weren't willing to support me and my dreams in doing that, you know, like, I don't know where I'd be right now. Because, like, right now, that's not as much the case. I mean, it still is sometimes, but, you know, way back when, like, it was way more the case more often. And they were down to support whatever, knowing that I was following my dreams and, like, seeing that there was potential for it to go somewhere and, like, they they couldn't like if if I had a past life I must have been like tortured the whole time because I'm getting like karma back for something like because I I've seriously been blessed like from the day I was born with like the best family like the best extended family the best friends like everything and and uh, I, like I really can't believe where I am and like it definitely has everything to do with the fact that my parents are 100 percent supportive of of it and and me continuing to do it yeah so i don't know i, I mean i'm i'm pretty like I, I i seriously i thank god every day that my parents are who they are and yeah. uh just like that i get to live the life i live every day and like if it changes now then you know so be it i, I mean no one can really take away you know having lived this life since since i was 15 like yeah I, so, I mean, whatever, you know. That's amazing. So, your parents have never said to you, like, listen, Chris, like, I I know that you've had a real, uh, you've been having a really good time inline skating, but I really think that you should consider going to school or or consider <laughs> thinking about, like, that you've never ha gotten that conversation. No, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. My parents also care about my well-being. So they're not just going to let me let skating ruin my life. Like, you know, if, if shit started to really hit the fan, you know, they, they always have something to say, you know, like when things are bad, if I did borrow money, it's not like they're just like, Oh, here's, here's the money that you need to pay off your taxes. Uh, you know, and not have a conversation that, that always comes with a conversation about, you know, like, okay, well, what's like the projected, you know, income for next year and this and that and whatever and I do my taxes with my dad so I mean he sees what I make and he he uh you know it's like if there's like a real if if he feels like there's gonna be you know I've had you know conversations where it's like okay like well this this negative thing just happened like do you think that's gonna affect like your ability to make a living off of skating like you know, is it time to start exploring other avenues? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, then this other positive thing is happening that kind of makes up for that income. Yeah. You know, and whatever. Like, I mean, I absolutely have conversations with them about my well-being, but never have they said, oh, you know, skating's just like, it's just, you know, it's a phase you were going through when you were a teen and we let you live it for a little while, but now it's time to get serious. It's like... I mean, like, my dad has accomplished, like, outrageous things. Like I said, he ran around Lake Tahoe. He's 
climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, he's done all these, like, really amazing feats. And, and like, he'll still say, like, when we're talking, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, I don't have a, you know, a world championship or a Guinness record or this or that. And it's like, to me, it's like, well, yeah, but, I mean, rollerblading is such a small thing. You know, it's not like, you know, I have, you know, a, a world championship and something that there's, like, a 100 million people trying to get that you know so I, I guess I have a skewed vision of you know what I'm doing but I mean they kind of see all the positive but I mean even my mom was the one that told me about the test I could take to get out of high school because uh, I was already sponsored and I was supposed to be going on like these tours and she saw it as like something that could potentially get me like you know going really good and and uh she just asked my school if she could like sign me out for two weeks so I could go on a tour and get my schoolwork and have me do it while I was on the road. And they basically told her no and that you would have to lie and say that he's in the hospital or like get a doctor's note or whatever. Yeah, so, like, so like you you didn't uh you didn't actually complete high school? You took a test to I did, take... I I tested out of high school. So yeah. technically I have a high school degree diploma yeah but i didn't i only got uh two and a half months into my junior year so i missed like a year and you know eight months of school or something like that your your junior year like what grade is that that's 11th grade here so I, grade. I made it through you know all the way up to eighth grade and the high school starts at ninth so i went ninth of tenth and then i started 11th grade and then tested out like right at the beginning Nice. Like, that was when things were really starting to take off. With yeah, yeah, yeah. things were starting to pick up. You know, I was already making making money. I mean, it wasn't much money. I think I was making, like, probably 300 bucks a month from, like, two different companies. So I was making, like, 600 bucks a month or something. But, I mean, when you're 14, making 600 bucks a month to do nothing, or not do nothing, but when it's seemingly coming out of nowhere because I'm having fun after school. Yeah, that's uh, you know, really not bad. something to it. And they were telling, you know, they would, and, and my I was, parents were... I was making, talk. like, $400, like, washing dishes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, I mean, so what, that's balling, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so my parents, and my parents were really communicate, uh, like, in communication with everybody I was around. You know, like, before Brian Bell, like, could, before I could go skating with him and drive in his car, he had to, like, come over to my parents' house and, like talk to my mom for a half an hour before she let me like drive with him you know <laughs> stuff like that like so my parents were always really involved so they were talking to all these companies and these companies you know were like yo we want them to go on this tour you know it's two weeks long we're going here here and here and my mom asked like if, the, if she could get me out of school and they basically told her she would have to lie and tell me tell them it was a medical thing mm. and like my mom's like the most ethical person like in the whole world <laughs> and she like had the, she would not lie to tell them that like you know whatever and um and she at the time was volunteering at my sister's high school and a girl at my sister's high school had taken this test to leave high school to go to college early and so she basically told me like hey i know this test that you could take and it'll get you the equivalent of a high school diploma and like, we're not telling you, like, that you can just fuck off or whatever. But obviously, she didn't say fuck off. But uh, she, she, she wasn't saying, like, oh, this is, like, your ticket out of school and you don't have to do anything. She was basically saying, like, we see that your school is holding you back from doing something. And 
we're giving you this tool to prove to us that you can do something with it, you know, and God forbid it doesn't, doesn't happen. And whatever, you still have a degree that you can go or a high school diploma that you can go to college with. So she wasn't by any means just signing me out of school. Like, Oh, you can't come like drop him out right now and whatever. and not caring about my future, but she set me up to take this test where I could still go to college if it didn't work out and like, give me a real chance at it. And she gave me a real chance. And, and I really think that that year and a half that I wasn't in school was like huge in the amount of progression I had. Like, cause at that time, like that's, that was like massive. Like I was staying, uh, that was when I was filming VG 20 and stuff. So I was like oh. staying at Dave Payne's house, like hanging out with Randy Spicer, who was another one of my Matt, like biggest idols when I was like a little kid. Yeah. So like, that was when like, that was the most surreal moment I think of everything was like, Holy shit. I'm not in high school and I'm hanging out with Randy Spicer every day. And like my motivation to get better just like went through the roof. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I think that year and a half was, like, what basically is another thing that, like, got me to where I am today. Like, I think I could have gotten to a certain point, but I don't think I'd be where I am if, if like, I had been in school that whole time. Yeah, that's amazing. That, like, for parents to have that much faith in you to pursue this crazy role-blading thing and, and take this test and get out of school like that, yeah, that is really... Obviously, that is one of the huge factors that made you who you are today and made you that good at skating. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That really is incredible. Um, Chris, you're awesome, dude. Oh, thank you, man. This has been a really good time, and, and I've had a lot of fun uh, just listening to to you talk. Uh You've, uh, yes, I've been rambling a bit about certain things. No, it's awesome. That's exactly yeah. what this shit is about, is just yeah. going off and rambling and speaking your mind. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you too giving me an avenue to kind of like speak my mind about certain things. Because like it's hard sometimes like if you're doing like a written interview to like, you know, like if you sit there and really like think about what your answer is going to be or whatever, like, you know, it doesn't come out. It doesn't come out the way, it doesn't come off naturally, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, like, it's, yeah. it's cool to have a have an avenue that you gave me to be able to, like, actually speak my mind about a couple of things and, like, in a natural environment. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I feel like this is, this is something that I've never heard from Chris Haffey. Like, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I love listening to them. I love doing them. And I love the fact that they're long-winded. I love the fact that it, like, we've been talking for, like, a couple hours. It's not like a rush. Like, it's not like just a few questions with Chris Haffey or whatever. Like, most of the things that I've seen of you talking is really short and really condensed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and, and I think this format of just talking with you for a long period of time is, like, I've heard a side of Chris Haffey that I've never heard before. Yeah. Like, it's really exciting, and, and honestly, like, I, my expectations have been surpassed in terms of, of what you've had to say. Like, you're, you're really articulate, and you're, you're really good at expressing how you feel, and obviously you've lived a lot of really interesting experiences. 
definitely. And uh, it's 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 awesome to talk to you. Um, yeah, thanks, man. It's been been fun for me too. Yeah. Um, okay, my my wife came and wrote something on a book, and I don't know what it means, but I'm just gonna read it. <laughs> I've been asking you all the questions. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't t touched? That we haven't touched on, or anything you want to ask? Um. No, not really. I mean, that's the other. That's kind of the other reason why I was like really kind of down to do this is because uh, I'm like relatively uh, quiet in terms of. Uh, giving my opinion about things like if it's not asked i guess not i just like a lot of times i see like no reason to to give information if there's no reason to give it so i was kind of interested to do it to kind of see what type of conversation would come about so i i didn't really come into this with any expectations i just kind of like wanted to roll with the punches and see where it went so uh I, I didn't really have anything in my head in terms of, like, things I wanted to get out there or, like, things I wanted to ask or talk about or anything. So that might be a disappointing answer, but... No, no. Uh, yeah, I totally understand. It's extra, like really. A lot of shit naturally came out of it, and, yeah. and you knew that a lot of shit would naturally come out of it. And, uh, yeah, that's amazing. We should do this again. Yeah, I'd be down to yeah, yeah, we should, uh, we should, uh, we should make this a regular thing. I mean, it's awesome just to talk and, and just to, uh, I mean, I think that's something that's missing in role-playing is that, uh, that exploration, that, that, uh, psychological exploration and, and taking time and taking time to talk and explore different ideas. Um, a lot yeah. of things feel rushed. It's like, an edit that there's there's a really set criteria for and it's really quick or I I just love the idea of having something that's very long winded and so much can come out of it. Yeah. And like there's there's so much that you've expressed that uh that I I've never heard you talk about and I, I love this format. I I just think this I'm a huge fan of the podcast format the long-winded talking and just letting it fly and take, yeah, no, it's cool taking time. Get to just like jam and answer and like yeah. as quick as possible. It's not rushed. It's like yeah. you, you have time to just talk about it. Talk about what you're thinking. And that's yeah, fucking, yeah. that's just awesome. Um, so, so what's next? Like what can we expect from Chris Haffey in the next little while? What do you have planned for us? Um... Fuck. Uh, right now, I, I honestly don't have a lot on the radar. It's like the last, uh, the last probably six months before December was really, really busy for me. I was, uh, you know, on the road a lot. I think I was, uh, I mean, the last six months, the last year was pretty nuts. Like I was out of the country for four months this year and, uh, like, just on the road constantly doing all sorts of shit. So, like, when I got home from France in December, I basically just, like, flipped the switch off. Like, I was just like, I'm going to chill out for a little while. I'm actually at home. I don't have any trips coming up, so I'm not trying to rush 
to like hang out with everybody at home before I leave again or whatever. I'm just going to chill the fuck out and kind of like reevaluate everything. So as of right now, I honestly like started to kind of get back in the swing of things because AJ and them were out here filming for, uh, for his video, but I didn't even really get anything done, but just having them here kind of put me back into the mindset of like thinking about what's next. And then, uh, like I said, we, I, we were looking for apartments and we're moving now. So I'm kind of caught up in doing things that are taking up a lot of time and distracting me from thinking about skating. But, uh, definitely bear cold is, is the next huge thing coming up. And then, uh, hopefully, in between bitter cold and May, because May is when I go back to Australia for more nitro stuff. Oh, um, nice. There will be some heavy uh, activity on my website. So uh, I'm trying to come up with all the content that will be going on in between then. But uh, that's really what I'm focusing on, I think, now in terms of like my thought processes coming up with things for that. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. The future. Yeah, the future. Dude. <laughs> I just try to take things one day at a time, really, so sometimes it's hard when I'm trying to think about too much shit at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Chris, Haffy, you're alive. I am alive. You are doing? alive. <laughs> yeah. This is exciting. Dude, this was so much fun talking yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah, it was a good time, too, man. Yeah, man. Let's do it again. Uh... Yeah, let's uh let's talk again in another couple months. We'll see where you're at. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. All right, well thank you very much for uh reaching out to me and and doing this. Yeah, no problem. This has been super fun and I wish you all the best and I can't wait to see what uh what you're going to come up with next. Can't wait to see the next game of Blade. And yeah, uh, man. Hopefully, everything uh, that comes from my direction is entertaining and keeps keeps uh, keeps up with everything I've been doing. Cool, dude. Well, uh, yeah. What? Anything else you yeah. want to say? Any shout no. shout outs? No, I'm pretty much good. Just shout out to all the homies. Fucking, they all know who they are. I got too many friends to the list, but uh, shout out to everybody. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to you know speak in a form of this manner and. Uh, have a good one, man. Cool. Well, peace out, Chris Haffey. Yeah, peace out, man. Thanks a lot. This was awesome. Lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. Talk All to right. you soon. Bye. Peace.